All right, we're live. All right, animal, we're live. Code Nation Podcast Fifty Seven. Vance Worley, but first, don't forget, mash that like button, rate, review, subscribe, um, check all the things. We've got hats, we've got shirts like weird and other funny things. So, anyway, without uh, further ado, Mr. Vance Worley, welcome to the welcome to the program. Thanks for having me, guys. Glad to be here. <laughs> I like your, uh, your your locker room um, camera <laughs> press talk right there. That's nice. Dude, yeah, I thought I for sure that. you were gonna wear your glasses. By the way, like I don't know, you just walk into the gym with your glasses on sometimes. I'm like, I wonder if Vance is gonna give the people what they want. But Vance does what Vance wants to do. So here we are. Do you got some uh, red, white, and blue glasses ready to go? You know, I don't have them here. I don't have the red, white, and blue ones here. Yeah, at Somerset, that'd be pretty cool if you just rock some gnarly red, white, and blue ones. I got lots of colors. I've been in enough places now, so I, I can interchange <laughs> all the all the different ear socks and everything and, and pretty much go with whatever I want. All right. Um, I don't know where John wants to go with all of this, but I want to know how you found us because I don't remember that story, and at least that's a starting point, and then we can go backwards, forwards, up, down, whatever you want. Fair. Um well, uh, my agent, uh, Jason Hoffman, uh, was trying to find a place for me to throw out in California when I came out here to visit with my wife and, and son and uh, get some video work and, and get some, some data uh, off the mound so we can send that out to scouts. And uh, he did his homework, found you guys, and got me in contact with you. And I guess the rest is history. What were you doing before that? I don't remember. Excuse me. What what have you been up to the last like six to twelve months? Uh, in my backyard, with uh, with my friend and and neighbor, and uh, he is uh, I believe he's sixty one years old now. He was uh, catching my flat grounds for awesome. And uh, when the weather gets cold, we would go in and I would throw indoors at a couple locations out in New Jersey. Uh, when I'm spending my time with my other son in Philadelphia. So I'm all over the place. Yeah, for sure. 61 year old catcher. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. He, so uh, I'm... <laughs> Go ahead. Kev. No, tell me about the 61 year old catcher. Okay. So I'm, I came off my bone chip surgery, uh, 2018 with the Mets triple A. And the first time I met this guy, he's just like, hey, man, he sees me throwing with a couple of my other buddies. And he's like, dude, you don't have to call them. He's like, I'll, I'll throw with you. I'll throw with you. I'm like, I'm looking at this guy. I'm like, There's no chance. No, no chance I'm going to throw with him. And I knew coming off of this elbow surgery, I'm like, I got to start light. I go, this is the opportunity for the guy. He's, he's going to love to get started. So let's do it. So he's on board. And the first uh, I felt something when I threw it and, uh, it was down to his, uh, right hip. So he crosses his body it hits the, the pinky of his glove and it comes up and shoots him and hits him in the face. 10 throws in. <laughs> and, and he plays it off and I thought it like hit him in the shoulder. 
And he just kind of casually jogs after he gets it, throws it back, and I'm watching his eye just balloon. He gets a black eye, and it, it, it broke just enough skin, and I just feel terrible. I'm like, dude, are you good? And he goes, yeah, 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 yeah. It just grazed me. It just grazed me. And the farther back I got, the more black I could see it getting. I'm like, I just messed this dude up. I feel terrible. And and he's been on he, – he loves it. I mean, he just he's a big baseball fan, and – to this day, I mean, we've, we've become really good friends uh, after he took that ball. The eye. <laughs> oh man! Wow! Way to start off the podcast with a banger right there. I'm dying. I'm yeah, crying a little bit. I, That's... I got, I got plenty more, man. I got plenty more. <laughs> I'm sure you do. I'm sure you do, bud. Um, we don't have a plan, Vince. We just, yeah, we really. can, we can ask you stories. We can talk yeah, about player development. Like we can talk about. I don't know. What do you want to talk about? Well, I guess I could get into another good one. So I told you guys about how I, I, I broke my screen the other day throwing. Yes. So so I went to go mail it back out yesterday uh, over in the Del Mar area by my wife's work at uh, UPS. And uh, I'm getting it out of the back of the car, this giant box. And this guy kind of jogs up to get the door for me. And I don't think anything of it. I just, I didn't know he was even going to UPS. And he's just like, hey, man, I got you. And I. And I said, appreciate it. And he says, you're that guy that works with John Sintes. And I look at him and I'm like, <laughs> and I just look at him. I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, he goes, right on. and then he just walks away. I'm, I'm going to return this box now. And uh, oh he, he walks gosh, out right before that's me. Hilarious. Walks out right before me. He goes, hey, man. Keep working, and he leaves. I'm like, all right. Yeah. That's a, no clue. You got, you got fans. I have no idea. I'm like, John. John's made it. John's made it. <laughs> John's. Uh, Woo! Vance, that's good. That's rich. That's good, man. It was. <laughs> oh, well, th thanks for that. That was, woo, man. You got me again. Hey. Okay, so by the way, I, I we knew that I didn't know that you broke your, broke your screen, but I knew you broke your screen because it was in the athletic article. So um, apparently, like oh, five good. hours ago, for those of you watching, the athletic article dropped. So if you're subscribed to the athletic, there's a there's a Vanimal article. There's also a 90 day free trial to it, so you you can just go read it for free if you want. There to you go, it. athletic free free publicity. Okay, um, I figured, you know, um, one of your favorite topics that, that I enjoy as well would be fun, and, and we could talk about some video games. And, um, you know, you and I have some, some love for the old school Nintendo. Um, uh, your favorite game is Contra. Why, what, where's the love story there? How did that start? Oh, that's just one of many. But uh, I guess it was just... Uh... Something like I grew up playing. I mean, back then, I mean, the games were so much easier. It's just that A and B. Can't really mess that up. But I feel like the older I get, the harder it is to play the, the older games. I do feel the same. It, it's just a little yeah, bit more difficult. Sure. I don't know why. But uh, it's it's something that me and my dad, I mean, he, he had the video games growing up. So it's like it just brings back some childhood memories. And now that I have two boys my oldest we just started playing 
some video games this last off season. And it's just, it's hilarious because I can see myself in his shoes. And I'm like, I remember doing this with my dad. Now he's doing it with me and we're just kind of reliving this memory. And now he's making a new memory of it. So it's, uh, it's been a fun little toy for him to for kind sure. of get away from, especially with the weather. <laughs> yeah, I, remember, I remember playing Tetris with my dad, like for hours and my mom getting so mad at us. And then like my dad's buddies would, would come over and we'd all play Tetris and they'd play music and stuff. Dad was a surfer in the seventies. So like, it was a whole yeah. bunch of acoustic guitars and Nintendo and being <laughs> like, well, all right. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, well, uh, okay. So out here we talked about, you know, where you get your feet. Did you play anything recently? Is there any of the games that you play? Oh, man, I, I really wish I had something out here right now to, to pass time. But uh, I, I would say the last thing that I played, I was playing Super Smash Bros. on Wii U. Okay. And uh, you can play with like eight different fighters all at the same time. And it's just, it's a lot going on on the screen. But it's, I, it's something. I'm just saying, I'm just saying and I'm excited <laughs> that you said that. Because I'm real trying to talk the wife into getting a Switch. And she likes playing Mario Kart. And Taylor has yeah. one. So we might have to get the group and, and see if we can all figure this out. And get a good, get a good uh, you know, battle, as they say. I, I apparently have like a Wii. That. I have a. You, you this is it. actually a true story. Um, I have a Wii from a um, Craigslist roommate that I had. Yeah, Craigslist Ta roommate. Ta yeah, Taylor, girl. Yeah, she's great, okay. great, really nice girl. Craigslist got her Wii now. I'm really good at uh, Mario Kart Wii. That That's sounds good. like a blast. That's one so of like seven things I'm good at. <laughs> 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 Holsters, ropes, Wii Mario Kart. That's that's up there. Craigslist, <laughs> Craigslist roommate. Tell you, I didn't tell know you people details. People like did that. I, I it's not it, yeah. That. yeah, that's hilarious. Um, <laughs> uh, I always had really good uh, clubby stories. Do you got any good clubby stories for the for people? <sighs> clubby stories. Um, I don't know. I feel like I was pretty low key. The only thing I really cared about was making sure that my cleats were as clean as they could be. Uh, so I would say the guys in Pittsburgh, I, I probably had the best relationship with all of them because they knew how particular I was about having my cleats being cleaned. Uh, so they would purposely do it in front of me and make sure that I saw them not miss any dirt. And uh, yeah. Yeah, it's. It, I still have That's a pretty good relationship with those guys. They did. Yeah. They did. Yeah. I think they, they would purposely miss certain spots just so I couldn't see it where it was at, and then it would wind up in my locker. And it's like you guys still. We know. We know. And and, and <laughs> That's and hilarious. That's, they. Uh, I think that was kind of the beginning of the. I would have multiple jerseys and multiple hats because I sweat so much, as I'm sure you guys have noticed. But. Uh, I had jerseys, and then I would have about five hats. If I was starting, I would have them all down in the tunnel. So in between innings, they would take my back and my head and just go throw it in the dryer, and I would put on another one for the next inning. And it would just be inning after inning. And, I mean, these, 
I'd get a hot jersey. I'm like, dude, it's hot out here. And they're like, we had to dry it. I know, I know. And I'm like, all right, just get a fan. Get a fan down here so it's at least blowing. Keep me a little cool. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I don't really have too many really – is that mainly in Pittsburgh where that was such an issue or was that there, ballparks? Was that an issue? It, it was all the ballparks. I mean, I, I would. Sweat. <laughs> yeah, you just, you, it was, I'm sorry. It yeah. was all the ballparks. Yeah, it was, it was all. In February. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it, even in Minnesota, I was, I was the only guy out there uh, that day in the 2013 opening day, no sleeves. Yeah, sweating. Dude. It was like 25 degrees. You could see the steam coming off the dirt in the infield from the, the heater underneath. And I'm out there just sweating bullets. <laughs> dude, my mom drives in Minnesota with the windows down. Like, in the winter. Just brutal. Some people She's just run hot, man. Yeah. Yeah. She did flip-flops 11 months out of the year. See, that was a great clubby story. What are you talking about? Yeah. I got a, I got a good one. Uh, this I'll tell you later. Um, okay, so <laughs> how about how about uh, tell it? Tell right. it. Okay. <laughs> All right, so you got a great story. I'll tell you later. Okay. Okay. What so uh, playoffs, mochis, right? Um, mm -hmm. All of a sudden, uh, we get the semifinals. The owners of the team start coming out in the locker rooms, and like the families and the the kids and the cousins and the uncles and their security, right? So all of a sudden black suits are around, right? We win semis to go to the finals. We have, they have a huge party in the locker room. And I watch one of the security guards take my hat from the corner, right? And just put it in his jacket, right? My clubby's <laughs> right next to me. I tap him and I go, hey. And he goes, oh, well. <laughs> to the guy walks, right? out and i was like it was the gamer for the rest of the playoffs so i had to steal a rookie's hat every game and the guy was so mad because we the entire state sold out of that hat so he yeah. had to rock no hat during the game and he was so upset about it i'm like i'm so sorry i feel terrible but this is not my fault <laughs> some guy in a black suit literally took my hat from me so it was hilarious oh, game boy. Hey, resources are limited in Mexican winter ball. You know, they don't have backups. <laughs> I believe it. I believe it. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, you have any good road trip stories? Like road best trips. best road trip story from a teammate. From a teammate. Yeah. Hmm. I don't know, man. Some of these things. Should probably be left. Yeah, that's all good. Yeah. yeah we'll had a guy get we, we had a guy get left <laughs> in Mexico City um three times in a row in three different road trips. It was hilarious. Like he just walked off and then it would just wouldn't come back. It was so funny. Like the first wow. time I'm like, God again. Anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Just didn't care. Anyway. All right. Um, yeah. so let's go a little more baseball stuff. Um so apparently John Sintes is more famous than you in some places in town. So um, why don't you kind of walk people down your professional journey if you want. But I don't know. I thought it was kind of cool um, hearing you talk about being a high schooler as well. Um, we got a lot of younger players walking through this. So if you want, you can go all the way back to Little League. But um, kind of just get, get us to, to pro ball. And then when you get to pro ball, 
Um, I know you've talked a lot about how the game has changed. So here, this is kind of sit back and tell us your story a little bit. Okay. And let's assume that our audience kind of knows who you are. <laughs> okay. I don't know. I think they know John way better than me, but uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, we can, we can go way back. Uh, well, I, I worked extremely hard to be a position player. I just happened to get thrown into the pitcher pool. But uh, Are you seven years old right now? Is this you talking set eight, 12? I, all the way up through high school. I, uh, I okay. went into the area, area coach tryouts as a two-way player. You're Sacramento, and, right? At a, at a Sacramento, yeah. Yeah. And uh, so um, I could always throw hard as a kid. So I, I enjoyed pitching, but my ultimate goal was to be a position player. Uh, I enjoy yeah. Oh yeah. I rake, I rake, but, uh, yeah. So I, uh, I guess where, where do we want to start? I guess high school, high school, uh, junior year. That was when I kind of got put on the map a little bit. Um, an area scout, uh, just kind of put me in the books there is a position player more than a pitcher, but going to the area code tryouts, uh, that's where I got noticed as a pitcher. Um, I guess first, uh, I went into that tryout. I just had a pin removed from my pinky, uh, on my throwing hand. I broke my pinky two weeks before the high school season ended on a high, uh, pop priority drill ball came down, broke my pinky in half, fractured the, the top knuckle. It was good. So just catch the I ball finished. Uh, yeah, it was, it was blowing that day. If I didn't have to run all the way to third base to catch it from my third baseman, uh, it would have helped. But uh, yeah, so I, I had a pin in my finger and I had it removed maybe 10 days before this tryout. So I'm scared to death of taking ground balls and, uh, you know, I I, could, I think the scout realized I was uncomfortable with it, and he just said, "Hey, you got a you got a cannon, but you just look real stiff. You know, go hit, and then you're here as a pitcher, right?" And I said, "Yeah." He goes, "Go hit, and then go go throw your bullpen," and I think that's when things kind of started being transferred into the pitcher role of, "Okay, well, this guy he can hit, he's too stiff to play a position, and he can pitch." So pitching, hitting. It works out getting drafted, you know, by Philadelphia um, later on down the road. But uh, so I make that first cut, go to USC uh, for the second rounds of cuts. And same thing, you know, we really don't care for your fielding. You can pitch. OK, you got an inning in this game, blah, blah, blah. You make cuts. So I make the team and uh, area code tryouts come. I think I had uh, I pitched seven innings. And I had like 14 strikeouts. And I wasn't really a guy, but it put me on the map. And uh, that's, uh, I guess, when the whole baseball ride really began of, uh, you know, how competitive can you be, but you have to be able to lock out everything that's outside of the, the fence, you know, because mm -hmm. it's, you're just playing, but all these people are there for you to, to see you and, you know, ultimately, hopefully get drafted. But uh yeah, but uh, I committed to Long Beach State as a two-way guy and didn't touch a bat once. Um, wound up pitching. I was the Sunday guy. Wound up losing my job. 
as a freshman, got put in the bullpen, and it was kind of a reverse starting role. They had a, a guy start, and then I would come in and then finish the game because for some reason when I started, I would struggle. So it was a weird deal. I mean, uh, it wound up working out and then went off to the Cape Cod uh, Summer League. And I did every pitching role there. I went there to be a starter, but I pitched out of the pen and, you know, really enjoyed my time there. Went back sophomore year, got hurt, uh, had a couple elbow strains, came back junior year. And that's when I, the whole Vanimal uh, came out, I guess you could say, the, the mindset on the mound of, you know, as you guys know, I'm as easy going as you can be. And then when I get on the mound, I like to compete. And that's just in between the lines. I mean, if it's a bullpen, you know, it's work. You want it to be as game-like as possible. But uh, that mindset, I think, has carried me on and helped me get to where I was and had success at that level. Uh, yeah, where, where do you want to go from there? You want to start Philly and then uh, just go with all the ride from there? I got, I got everything. For sure. Hey, how about um, how about something on the Cape? What what team are you on, and and uh, how did that go? Because I'm always intrigued by the people's experience from the Cape, especially looking at like it's such a significant um, league to play in. Because if you know, for some reason, if you play in the Cape, like big leagues are just they it translates. You know, there's a lot of guys that get drafted out of there. Um, I played for the Chamees now, the Anglers. Uh, a great host family, and I really didn't do a whole lot. Um, I, I I did uh, baseball camps because as a player there, you had to have some type of job that would give you the income so you could pay the host family to live there. And some guys would do field work and prep the fields for the game at night. Uh, some guys did the baseball camps work at the shop just down the road. And uh, it, it was, uh, I guess that was really my first taste of getting away uh, from home uh, besides Long Beach. I mean, that was a six-hour drive for my family. So going all the way across the country as an 18-year-old, I mean, that was a real eye-opener, you know, seeing the a different part of the country, um, different lifestyles. And now you're playing with guys from all over the country too. So you're getting a lot of different personalities and, and traits based on where they're from. And uh, the amount of talent there's unreal. I mean, like you, you touched on, I mean, a lot of these guys get drafted or go pro uh, get to the big leagues. Um, I can say that 90% of that team that I played with, uh, they all got drafted. Um, who else we got? Uh, Did you end up playing with any of those guys in the show? Against them, for sure. Um, I, I Danny Spinoza was my shortstop in college uh, at Long Beach and, and there, and he wound up getting up there. Um, who else is there? I'm trying to think of who got to the big leagues. Because I know there's only a couple guys that didn't get drafted. A lot of most of the guys got to like double A, but uh, I mean, guys that I played against in the show, Smoke was there. Um, God, you're making me dig way back to see it, it's it's funny to see him like back then and now trying to picture him in the big leagues. Um, 
pretty much all those guys that made the all-star team were were big leaguers i mean it's that's cool it's a showcase a showcase for talent i mean it's it's basically you know one step below playing for like team usa wow do you feel like the big leagues was that like the best competition you had faced up until like that point in your life I would say, yeah. I mean, it was more realistic too. Um, you know, playing playing college with uh, these aluminum bats, rocket launchers at the time, and then going and playing there. I mean, the guys that could hit could hit, and then the guys that could hit with an aluminum bat. I mean, you could tell. I mean, you could jam the guy; he'd still hit you out, and it didn't sound good, but it flew. And you know, if it was if they got it, it it went, but with the wood bats is like, okay, now I can learn how to pitch and have success and, you know, really work on pitching in, which is, you know, kind of like a, a dying breed. There's not a lot of guys that do it, but that's where I really learned to do it. And it was like, why would anybody pitch anywhere else? You just blow those bats up the whole time living in, you know? Um, but that was, that was definitely some of the best talent I'd seen up into the top. Do you have a, a specific hitter you can remember that from facing there that like was tough? Do you remember anything mm. from there or anything? Weeders hit a ball off of me. Uh, that's probably still going. That was that was pretty funny. And then eventually we became teammates, so we we talked about it. But I mean, I I blew a fastball by him. I'm like, oh, that's all I got to do. I'll just throw this ball, and it went to like the amphitheater and, and right center field like just it's a bomb and i'm like wow okay he can hit pretty good all right you know and this is a guy i mean he he was a what closer in college and then he would catch the first eight innings of the game switch hitter i mean could do everything so he was uh one of the, the cream prop i guess you could say that's cool that's cool. I remember. It's funny how you remember those moments, like as you play. You know, I can't remember too many big strikeout moments, but like bombs for some reason. I'm like, yeah. I, yeah oh I yeah. <laughs> bombs stick out. <laughs> yeah. I don't, I don't know why. I don't know why. I, like, cause like I, re, I remember talking to a guy when I was playing down in Tijuana, and he was like, yeah, you faced me in Campeche. You punched me out three times. I'm like, God, I don't remember you at all. I just don't. And then. I, but I do remember Silva hitting in the four hole and hit a rocket that like hit the top of the fence, like and bounced over, you know? So right. it's funny how you went there too with it. So that's cool. Well, I, I mean, that's the, the, the I think the, one of the things that caught my attention that you're talking about was the transition from aluminum to wood, you know, and I remember that significantly also, like being able to actually do some of these things and, and, um, you know, that you see on TV and, and, you know, growing up with, with guys throwing inside and you hear about it and you hear about it. And then, like you said, you know, you go do it in college and you're like, well, I can't get in on anybody, you know, like, I don't, it just doesn't work the same way. I had a different experience, guys. I don't know. Did you, fa- did you, you face bazookas? <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm not facing the same guy. <laughs> bazookas were interesting, man. Dude, I've yeah. seen, I've seen aluminum bad shatter and ball goes out. For sure, a little bit shattered. Way to say it. It's a different game. Yeah, yeah. I saw, I, mean, I saw De Marini break in half, and ball, ball went over the fence. Those two piece bats. 
What, what is um, it? I don't know if it was two piece. It, no, it was it was the it was it was the actual barrel cracked. It was like two thousand nine version of Dean Rainey Bass. Dan Kazrowski was smashing baseballs. Yeah, for sure. I was not. No, thank you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, you're in Philly now. You, you, you're 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 awesome in Philly. You want to go there? We can go to Philly. Uh, yeah, that was. Uh, so I was drafted out of high school by them, and I just got hurt my last game of senior season. Turned it down uh, to go to college. At least get you know three years of education out of the way. I mean, it's on, with scholarship. I mean that that was. That was a big enough goal for me at the time because, I mean, going to school for free, I mean, that's important, you know, for your family too, you know. So uh, playing baseball to that point, I was like, okay, you know, I've made it to the next level. Can I get drafted again? Wound up getting drafted again by Philly. They came in uh, a couple of days before the draft. I had to send a waiver in order for them to draft me again. And I remember this guy calling me on the draft day, and I'm following along on the computer. And he calls me and he goes, hey, we just took it. And I said, uh, you didn't, uh, you're not even on the screen yet. He goes, oh, it's delayed. We got you. You're going to Philly. And I said, okay. And he just said, uh, you know, I'll, I'll meet up with you. We'll get this thing signed and we'll get going. We'll get you out there and start playing. And uh, I remember I, I went out. I, I signed right before the season started for short season. And uh, – flew out to Philly, got my physical, and then flew me out to Mahoning Valley, I, I want to say. It was the Indians low A. And uh, I was just thinking to myself, where am I? I? I have no idea where I'm at. I'm in the middle of nowhere in this country. And, you know, and all the guys have already pretty much been together for these couple weeks up until that point. Uh down and extended after they got drafted they flew down there and they did their physicals and at the spring training complex and got to know each other and then flew up north together so i'm joining these guys late they all have this camaraderie i'm like i'm the new guy it's like the new kid in school it's like who who do i who do i talk to to become friends with and am i going to be accepted type of thing and um, i remember flying out there I, I i was in short season for maybe two weeks and then uh got moved up i was in lakewood new jersey uh low full season to finish the year uh had some pretty good success and then uh went into spring train the next year expecting to go to high a and me and another guy mike stutes oregon state pitcher uh we both made the jump to double a and we were the first guys to do it since uh, i believe it was tom wolf with the Phillies organization. So that was a pretty big deal. Uh, we both had okay years. And then uh, the following year, we both repeated double A. And then I got to the big leagues that year. And then he got to the big leagues the following year. But it was it was cool to, to get up with another guy that was in the system with you. And uh, just the experiences of, of some of these small towns, I mean, it, it it's funny to see the mindsets of different guys, like how they can be comfortable with where they're at and a guy that wants to get to the next level and keep pushing and get better. And uh, it was, uh, there were some tough times, but there were some times where it was like, if things are going really good, you had that 
and you try to roll with it the best you can because when you have that moment where you struggle, you have to be able to respond. And if you go backwards, I mean, if you're in the minor leagues, it's not the place you want to struggle because you're, you're just exposing yourself that much more and it takes that much longer to get out of there. Uh, but Philly, so 2010, when I got called up, uh, I think Jamie Moyer just got hurt and, uh, they called me. I I just thrown CG. I threw a CG. I went into the All Star game through a scoreless, so I had ten, and then another eight innings of scoreless against uh, the Yankees Double A. And I remember going. We went to Erie, Pennsylvania, to play the Tigers, and I just threw a bullpen. And that night, I uh, I was in the stands charting. I was on the the radar gun. And uh, after the game, you know, we fill out our paperwork, make sure the manager and pitching coach have all the numbers from the guys that night. And uh, I get back to the hotel and I get a call from the back on us, come back to the park. Uh, the manager wants to talk to you. He said that uh, it's important. And all the guys that were older than me were like, dude, that's a great sign. That's a great sign. Like, you're getting the hell out of here. And I'm like, I'm not going to get my hopes up. I mean, obviously it's, it's the goal to get to the big leagues. And I'm like, I'll, I'll just, I'll, I'll see you guys later. I'll let you know. And I get to the park and the manager sits me down and he says, you know, you did a terrible job on the chart. And I'm just like, I screw up writing down numbers. I just wrote down the velos. He goes, Oh, you were on the gun. He goes, I better get so-and-so back in here because he's the one going to the big leagues. I need him to finish this chart right, and then he can get out of here. I'm just like, wait, wait, hold on a second. And he just goes, Vance, get your stuff. Get the hell out of here. You're going to the big leagues. And I'm like, all right, all right. That's what I want to hear. And just the, the the speed of how fast the word travels. I mean, I, I text my family, my, my girlfriend at the time couple friends and then i just started just getting bombarded with text messages and calls from numbers i've never seen before and like oh i want tickets and it's the typical thing to do you know it's like well if you don't if i don't know you i'm not going to just give you tickets like i'm just going to focus on what i need to focus on mom dad i'm flying we'll see you wherever i see you and uh i flew up to st louis and i remember walking in the park and just, you know, it, it's different when you go there as a player versus somebody that's just going to watch a game. You know, you see the park. It's like, oh, that's amazing. You know, this Bush Stadium is a beautiful stadium and uh, all bricks. And I'm like, how do I don't even get into this place? Like, there's got to be some kind of underground, you know, doors to get into. And then you, you know, and that was the first time I would experienced going into a stadium uh, like that. And it's all underground. I mean, you see all the pipes underneath, like all the all the stuff you don't see in sports is all underneath these stadiums. And then the clubhouse is there. And then next thing you know, you're on the field. But walking into this clubhouse, these are all guys that I grew up watching. And I'm watching, kind of walk by and I'm like, oh, yeah, there's Jason Worth. Oh, that's cool. Oh, there's Ryan Howard. And I'm, I'm like, starstruck by all of them but at the same time it's like these are my teammates right now like how do i change this mindset of 
I'm a fan to this is my teammate and we have to work together, you know? And I was 22 at the time. So, it, you know, most of these guys are 10 years older than me. I feel like a kid. I am a kid in their eyes. And I have to do everything possible to stay out of their way and have success and stay there. And uh, I remember playing catch, uh, J.C. Romero. And I was just frightened. He's like, oh, yeah, you walk. And it was the first time I'm throwing with fans in the stands. And I'm just trying to sail it over his head. I'm like, don't make him jump. Don't make him pick the ball. And I'm just, like, lobbing it to him. And he's like, you get, you, you can go out farther if you want. I'm like, I'm only going to go as far as you want. And he goes, I want to go light today. I'm like, thank God, because I am so uncomfortable right now. <laughs> and they put me out in the bullpen. And that was the first time I'd experienced a bullpen phone. And every time it was ringing, you know, uh, David Herndon was was the other rookie at the time. And he just started laughing because he knew what I was feeling. And he goes, your heart racing? He goes, they ain't calling for you. (laughs) 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 They're not going to get they're not going to get you going. They're going to put you in a situation where it's going to be a little easier to get your feet wet. And I'm just like, "Okay, that's fine. He goes, but I know what you're feeling. Your heart's racing, right? And I'm like, yeah. And he just goes, just. Just relax. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so that was uh, 2010. That was a call-up. I wound up debuting against uh, Colorado. It was like 100 degrees in Philly. And uh, I got sent down after that. So I, I went to AAA um, and then came back up for a start in September, day-night doubleheader, and had some success. So I kind of put my name you know, at that level where it's like, okay, this guy's good enough to cheer. You know, is he good enough to stick is the question. And then 2011 comes around and that rotation, I was uh, just fortunate enough to to get into it because that rotation was unreal. I mean, we had uh, Cole Hamels, Cliff Lee, Roy Halliday, Oswalt, Joe Blanton, uh, Kyle Kendrick. Kyle Kendrick was like the swing at the time too. So it was like, how am I supposed to squeeze in with that? if they send me to AAA to be a starter, to be like the second swing man, like they're going to call me up and just throw me in the pen and then throw me back down to AAA. And I can't remember. I want to say it was Blanton. Blanton got hurt. Cliff Lee got hurt at some point. Um, Oswald got hurt. Um, and every time one of them went down, I would get called back up and I'd fill in for him. And it was just – you know, it was one of those things where it was uh, me and uh, Brian Schneider was pretty much my personal catcher at the time. Uh, whether they want to admit that or not, I don't know. But he caught me every time, and we just kind of just rolled with it. There was no real scouting report. He'd come over to me and be like, all right, I know all these guys. Who do you know? Do you not know any of these guys? This guy's young. Never faced him. Just go after him. He goes, we'll, we'll adjust to him. You know, just real simple stuff. And, you know, uh wound up just having a lot of success. I mean, I struggled pitching one day, the bats would just come alive and save me. And if I was on, you know, me and Schneider, I mean, I think I shook him two, three times all year. I mean, just one of those types of things. And he knew exactly what I wanted when I shook, either the other side of the plate or just going with a cutter, sinker, mixing some curveballs here and there. And it was just a a good relationship, the relationship that you want to have with a catcher because – not staying in a rhythm 
because that makes it more difficult to command pitches and be in the zone and be competitive. And uh, yeah, that was just an unbelievable team that year. I think we was it 116 wins, just unreal. Yeah, best Phillies team ever, right? Yeah, I mean, just the amount of fun we had. I mean, we'd show up to the park there's, and name the, name the whole lineup we too, because there's there's a lot of kids yeah, that. I mean, yeah, that, that's a legendary yeah, team. Can you name the lineup? So uh, for the you kid. had Carlos Carlos Ruiz was catching, and Schneider, Brian Schneider was uh, Ryan Howard first base, Chase Utley second base, Jimmy Rollins shortstop, uh, uh, Placido Polanco was at third, Raul Abanez left field, Center field was Shane Victorino, and then right field, uh, it was kind of a toss up between a few guys. You had uh, Ben Francisco, you had John Mayberry Jr., uh, Ross Glode, you had uh, Dominic Brown. Um, oh, yeah, Dominic Brown. I mean, wow. just, That's a yeah. I, you were for sure on my fantasy team, by the way, like this whole time. I'm a senior <laughs> in college. Like you're definitely in my lineup. I'm a, yeah, I'm scrappy. <laughs> it, it was scrappy then. Um, but yeah, I mean, oh, it, we had Hunter Pence. He, we got him at the trade deadline. Oh yeah. That, oh, that yeah. was when we really, that's when we really took off. Um, but yeah, I mean, it was, Wow. It was just a good team. I mean, there's no no real like segregation between you know like veterans and younger guys. It was just coming to the park and having a good time and then rolling guys. And, uh, <laughs> and it, I mean, if if we lost, it was just all right. Whatever, we'll, we'll come back tomorrow and we'll just we'll stomp them. You know, it wasn't it wasn't like, I mean, you know what it's like to play on a team that's not good. I mean, it's hard to go to the park. It's it becomes sure. a job. Oh, it's yeah. it's not really just the game at that point it's like all right well you guys are good let's uh, you know at least play a decent game it's not even about winning i mean i remember playing in the minor leagues and you know it was like okay i'm starting today these guys are good i have to throw all zeros if i give up one run at least we're still in the game but i have to pitch to not lose it's not yeah. pitching to win you know what i mean yeah for sure and that's that's how i was with these guys it was going to the park it was like if I get a couple of runs, I'm winning today. And that's, that was everybody's mindset. It was, it was fun. Totally. All right. Those are some of the, my most favorite, like, that's uh, where I'm like the best teams, you know, like, I, I think I told you about, I had that, that shortstop that I played with from Mexico city and he was with the Mets for a little while. <clears throat> and uh, like, he was the craziest thing I'd ever seen to Derek Jeter, like jump throws, dive in hole, like just, really like legitimate web gems right in front of me and be like bro i don't understand how you were so good for me but i'm really really happy that you play show stuff because you're unbelievable <laughs> and then hearing hearing your defense behind you like of course like geez i like i can only imagine you being on the mound and seeing like somebody maybe trying to tag up or something you're like i don't know what you're doing bro like that's that's what i'd be i would be thinking <laughs> if we were like, Dude, that worth is gonna bring the noise from the outfield right now you probably shouldn't go anywhere you know, that's, right. that's super cool. You know, um, I, those names in the bullpen and the rotation are amazing. Did you, um, did you happen to connect with like Roy holiday or, or any of those guys in there? And, and, uh, they give you any advice or anything about when you were up there? Uh, yeah, I mean, there was some advice. Um, 
but it was more me trying to stay in the way. Um, I mean, Cole Hamels was the one that showed me his cutter, which really came from Doc, which came from Kendrick. And we all kind of threw the same style cutter. Um, never really developed a changeup. Tried to throw Roy Holiday's changeup. It just didn't work for me. It was more of like a, a splange, uh, a split finger change. And he's six six. Hands are, you know, the size of bananas, and mine's aren't. So it was a little easier for him to throw that. Um, yeah, but uh, just watching, I, I've taken more watching them than trying to ask them questions because, uh, I mean, you could just see how they competed. You know what? What were their sequences? What were they looking for? You know. Uh, Doc and and Cole, they kept uh, little books in their in their pocket. If there was a guy that they wanted to see, they would take notes on him the day before, or you know, a couple of days before they would have to pitch against them, and they would see different sequences and what worked and what didn't. And then this is all before you know, all the computers and everything came into play. So this is how guys would take notes. It wasn't them going and watching tons and tons of film. I mean, it was new at the time, and. Uh, yeah, I mean, just watching them lead by example was what I took in. And it was just work hard and, you know, don't look back. And I, I remember Doc, I, I got roughed up one day in uh, in Washington. And I remember going back to the, the hotel. And he just said, well, or, or no, who was it? It was New York. I just got roughed up in New York against the Mets. And we went to the hotel in Washington, just checked in. He just asked me how I was doing. And he goes, well, what do you got? And I, I said, yeah, you know, I got to try to sleep this one off. He goes, so you're still thinking about it? He goes, don't think about it. <laughs> I'm just like, all right, yeah, I'm going to stop talking now. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, but, uh, but I mean, that was the mindset. It was like, game's over, don't even think about it. It was on the next one. And, and that was uh, what kind of started for me was, was uh, learning how to just brush off the last outing if, if you were a starter i mean you knew you had four days in between to get better for that next start or five days and then as a bullpen guy it's like okay i got roughed up i gotta re respond and bounce back tomorrow hopefully i get in tomorrow or two days you know whatever the case is but build off of those positives and not even look back at the negatives so you started and relieved in the same season plenty of times uh, it's so it, hard to do, you know, schedule-wise, you know, in between starts and everything. Yeah, there, there's no real routine at that point. Um, you know, uh, so I, for the most part, I started in Philly, went to the Twins, was a starter there, and then uh, went over to Pittsburgh, started there the first year, and the second year, that's when I kind of had to learn how to bounce back and forth in between roles and really, really struggled with it in 15 and then went over to Baltimore and kind of embraced it because it's a job not everybody can do. It's it's not a job anybody really wants. It's the hardest one, in my opinion, because you don't have a routine. You you don't know when you're going to go, you know, and unless they, they tell you you're going to start. Hopefully you get a night before, you know, sometimes I mean, I remember Pittsburgh, I had I got a spot start 20 minutes before game time because a guy couldn't go he was like oh his neck hurting you gotta go and i remember pulling up my socks i was i was still getting ready to go out to the bullpen to watch the starter throw his bullpen 
<laughs> and wow. they were like, we need you out there. And I go, I'm coming. And they're like, no, you're starting. And I'm just like, uh, yeah, all right. Well, that, that's a whole different mindset now. I wouldn't have done half of the stuff I did up until this point. Uh, I, when I went to Baltimore, they, they would be good about letting me know if I was going to start. But bullpen-wise, I mean, I had to be ready from the first pitch of the game to the last pitch. And I would go, you know, two days, one day, three days, off to two weeks and not touch a mound in a game. So I, I knew that I had every three days, if I didn't get into a game, I would try to get off the mound at the end of the game just so I didn't burn out before the game uh, if I needed to go. I, I, I want to come back to that. Just going back to Philly, when when you're doing this and you are a starter, you did have more of a routine. And so I was just curious not, not to bleed it out a little bit, but strength and conditioning is such a big part of the game now. And you're talking about one of the best teams ever. What was strength and conditioning like around that? How, what was the routine? You said you're watching these guys, some of the best of the best ever, right? You saw their routines. I'm curious, you know, I know Doc worked out a lot, or, or did he? Like, what was actually going on from that standpoint? Doc was a monster. Uh, you know, he he would run. I mean, he, he I forget what, what the style of workout it was, but he would – do lifts and then go to the treadmill and run in between lifts. I mean, he had his heart rate up, spiked the entire time he was lifting. Just he wasn't really lifting heavy, but he just kept his heart rate up. And I remember trying to do one of his workouts one day. I go, I'm not doing that. There's no way I can't do that. And uh, you know, every everybody has you know what works for them, but. Uh, for me, it was I, I would do it backwards. A lot of pitchers, the day after they pitch, do a lower body workout. I would do upper body, and then I would do lower, and then I would do a total, and then I would do a core, and then I'd go back into the game. Um, but some guys, you know, were really just trying to just stay in shape. So they would just do cardio and mix in some core work here and there, tubing. Um, but I, I remember asking Doc that. Uh, Mike Sweeney, 2010, I'm, I'm sitting on the bench and he, I'm talking to him because he's one of those guys that would come to the younger guys and make them feel welcomed and want to help the most they could. And I remember sitting there talking to him and it's just me and him on the bench. And he looks over and he goes, you ever talk to doc? And I just looked at him and go, does it look like he wants to be talked to right now? I go, no, I'm not going to go talk to him. And he just goes, I need you to get up right now and go sit over next to Doc and just pick his brain. I'm like, I don't even know what to talk to the guy about. He's intimidating just looking at him. I go, there's no way. And he just goes, just talk to him. And I remember one of the first things I asked him about was was working out and, and training. And he just he kept looking at the field the whole time, didn't even take his eyes off. And he just responded and just goes, your body will tell you what you can do. And just and didn't even – I'm like – I just look back at Mike. I'm like, he doesn't want to talk to me. <laughs> and he just goes, I don't care. Stay there. And I sat there for the one inning. And I just, you know, just trying to make small talk. I'm like, this isn't the time. You know, this there's different animals that play the game. And, you know, there's times and places to talk. And that was not one of those times, in, in my opinion. And, you know, I don't know if it was just the, the veteran trying to, like, announce where he's at or if, you know, but he was serious majority of the time. I mean, 
some of the biggest smiles that I've seen out of them were, you know, obviously postseason, but off the field, that was the time that you could talk to him. It was like he was – it wasn't work mode for him at that time. You know what I mean? That's cool. That's cool. So the whole organization was basically like do what Doc does? A lot of that, yeah. It was like, you know, and, and there wasn't a lot of explanation to it. It was just go work. I mean, you see how he works. He is and, you know, try to mimic it. Yeah, I just don't think it's, – it's crazy. Like, uh, it's crazy that that wasn't that long ago and there, it just wasn't even in the conversation. And now it's like the pendulum has swung. So, anyway, no, I just wanted to – I was curious about that one thing. It's it's uh, – I, I can't imagine all of those – every day is like, oh, my God, this is the coolest day ever. Like, I – right? Like, <laughs> who uh, – it makes me think about, too, like um, – you know, the moment you were talking about where you got called up and you're, you know, you're absolutely starstruck by all these guys, you know, Doc Holiday, I'm sure it'd be the same thing. Who were, who were some of the influences for you coming up pitching wise that you felt like, uh, that you liked what they did or, you know, how they threw or who'd you try to emulate? I guess a kid or just when he played? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I don't think we've asked this question. So I'm just. Um, well, I mean, growing up as a kid, I always really enjoyed watching your Clemens and, and uh, Josh Beckett. Um, and then when I, I was coming up in the minor leagues, you know, that, that whole rotation that we had was unbelievable. But I mean, you had rotations, you know, with some solid guys in there. I, I wound up playing with AJ Burnett down the road too. And different personalities and, and different work ethics. I mean, just watching what they did and, and trying to pick their mind on, you know, how, how do you throw that pitch or what exact, what are you aiming for when you throw that? Or, you know, just, just being around them is, is enough to kind of really see. But, uh, I would say, uh, doc was one of my favorites to watch just as a fan. I mean, you're, you're sitting in the dugout, you know, you're not going to throw that day because he's going, he's going to go eight or nine. There was no question. Yeah. Yeah. He's, I think he has a quote, uh, of something like your start day should be your easiest day of the week. Sorry, my dog. Yeah. I, oh, yeah. Cutter's I think, uh, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> I think, uh, yeah, Roger, Rod Clemens, he, that was one of his too. Um, oh, it was Rogers. You know, yeah, those okay. days, yeah. yeah. One, one of those days, the, the easiest day should be the day that you start, which is just showing how much work you're putting in between those, those start days. Totally. All right, let's go back to um, – you kind of walked through what happened after Philly. Um, why don't you just, like, how, however you want to get us up to, to where you're at right now. We're almost into an hour. Oh, and, uh, you say no? Uh, yeah, no. We, we got a lot. Um, so, traded to Minnesota, I get DFA'd by Minnesota, I get – Traded for cash to Pittsburgh. I go into arbitration with Pittsburgh. I win arbitration. I struggle. I get DFA'd. I clear. I go to AAA. I get DFA'd again at the end of the season. Baltimore claims me. I'm with them all year. They non tender me. I sign a split contract with the Nationals. I do terrible spring. 
I opt out of that contract. I sign with the Marlins on a split contract. I go to AAA. I get called the Marlins. I then get non-tendered again. I sign a split contract with the Reds. I get all the way to Cincinnati, and they tell me I don't make the team before opening day. I then fly back to California, and then I sign a split contract with the Mets. They tell me they want me to be a starter. I get hurt with the Mets in AAA as a starter, need surgery, and then uh, yeah, it's just kind of been a ride from there. Um, you know, trying to stay healthy and then having uh, another kid along the way, um, you know, uh, got a call from the, the Rockies and had to turn it down because my wife had a C-section and my baby wasn't keeping weight on. And uh, that was really the last affiliated call. Um, and then we uh, crossed paths and here we are. Um, what are the injuries that you've dealt with up to this point? Uh, well, I've had, uh, two bone chip surgeries on my elbow. Got it. Yes. And, and you're feeling good now though. Elbow is good. <sighs> elbow is good. It's, it's uh, uh <laughs> yeah, I had to change how I threw that cutter because, uh, Apparently, I was a little violent with it, and uh, that's what was chipping off my elbow and hanging out in there. Gnarly, super gnarly. Well, we got you got you definitely have it back now. There's definitely some late life on that thing. Late life, I, I have uh, velocity back. I mean, the last time I threw 94 was 2016, and that was on maybe two pitches. Um, you know, Velo, I think after I got to the big leagues, I became so reliant on my cutter that it took away from my fastball and I started changing how I was throwing and ultimately I was losing velocity. And now that we started working, you know, we got all that stuff back. It's interesting too. I was just thinking about, you kind of were like at the beginning of this like Velo jump and average um, big league velocity, right? Did you, is that something that you noticed in the game as you went through your career? I think the last few years, it's really kind of skyrocketed. Um, the game itself changed. Um, you know, I think when I came into the game, the league, it was, you know, there was guys that could throw hard, but they needed to command the ball. And that was something that I took pride in was, putting the ball where I wanted. And I felt like the harder I tried to throw, the more the ball would leak over the middle of the plate. Uh, you know, keeping the ball down is what was preached. It was keep the ball down, keep the ball on the ground, in the in the park, you know. And now everything's changing the other way. They want high velocity up in the zone. Don't pitch down, you know, breakers all in the dirt. And you know, it's it's obviously a difference. What I thought, and now I have to try to battle with something like that. Well, what's interesting is how funny, like your timeline lines up with me, like how I've been seeing it from a coaching perspective, right? And so when you talk about 
you know, one of the hardest arguments I've always said to somebody is like, imagine if you, um, I mean, just any professional, imagine trying to convince any big leaguer that, Hey, you should probably try something and move differently. I mean, nobody wants to do anything differently. They got there. They want to keep on doing that. They want to stay healthy. So like player development in baseball has been so right. Because, because like, it's, it's just a hard argument to make. But it's, it's just because velocity has become such a thing, this has kind of exposed the things that um, Major League Baseball wasn't very good at and just baseball in general, right? Um, and so just just from a nobody, – nobody was talking about how velocity mattered until like 2015, 2016. And, and the people that were – I mean, I, I sounded so crazy. And even just now, just us saying it's not, it's not if you can throw 90 miles an hour, it's when – that's still something that people will fight. It's like, well, yeah, there needs to be some context there, right? If you come to us and you're 20 years old and you can throw 50 miles an hour, that's a different problem than having an eight-year-old and just teaching kids how to throw at a young age, right? And teaching them how to be competitive and listen to their arms. So um, it's it's come a long way. It's been really interesting to hear the perspective that you've had. Um, But then it's like, dang, it's just, what can you do? Because the industry has been driven by the private sector. You know, it's been driven by the Tom houses of the world of the Florida baseball ranch, the Texas baseball ranch driveline, right? Top velocity places like us are, are pushing player development and, and major league baseball is starting to respond. But to your point, what game are we playing anymore? And I say, we, what, what game are you playing anymore? Right. (laughs) So, (laughs) But it's, but seriously, it's definitely different. But but you're right. You're right. It it has definitely gone that direct. And and, and so I'll I'll just say. Oh. Might need a phone call. No, just Hello. the the last. Yeah yeah. Sorry. Just the last thing. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. Can you guys hear me? Yeah, yeah. you're good. Because I can't hear you. Oh. Um. How about now? How about now? Cannot hear you. Okay. Um, let's kick him out and have him jump back in. We're just going to, well, you know what? This is actually an easy, I don't need Vance's um, response on this. So, I'll just talk about what I was going to say. So he's talking about um, how everything has changed from down in the zone to up in the zone. And, and this is kind of a, a generalization of what Vance has been being told by people that are you know potentially looking at him. And so I've talked to, I called up, um, uh, I, I've, I've had this conversation with several college coaches of mine um, in my network and just coaches in general that are familiar with Rapsodo data, that are familiar with pitch logic data. Um, and, and these are just overgeneralizations. Um, and so to say that the game has completely gone to the ball up um, is, is a reflection of what a lot of people are saying, not necessarily how everybody is getting them out. You know, so if you do watch Major League Baseball games and you pay attention to it, you're going to see guys going through the ball, you know, a, a lot of different ways that aren't necessarily lining up into a straight 12-6 or a straight across. But to Vance's point, um, this is this is the the problem with with technology right now is that 
the the gap and this was at the coaches convention too right this isn't just i'm not saying anything that people don't know the challenge right now is getting the people in place from a player development standpoint on coaching staffs at all levels that know not only how to collect the data and to set these things up because that's a whole entire process but then how to simplify it and and be able to say this guy i don't care if you like this information or not you're not good enough to make that decision but there's other guys that that might not want to know all of the spin metrics and are just going to be like, hey, was it good enough or not? And and beginning, middle, end. And that allows for um, guys that are closer with their movement patterns to then focus on pitch sequencing and stuff like that. So if I could rewind, Vance, and I'll, and I'll throw it back to you. If I could meet you in 2012, 2013, there's no way you want to have a conversation with me at that point. Right. But there's a good chance by 2015, right, you're a little bit more willing to have a conversation. And this is nothing to do with you. This is the culture around the game that like, damn, I'm going to do everything in my power to not lose it. Instead of thinking about how many times Tiger Woods has changed his swing, the way that all of the best of the best, like just continuously, tirelessly worked to perfection, knowing that they couldn't. Uh, but that they were just inevitably chasing, you know, they're being chased by their age and, and that's always going to be every athlete's problem. Right. So anyway, I, I just kind of, while you jumped off for a second there, I just brought them up to speed of, you know, the, the pendulum swung so far onto the data side and now we're getting back and going like, okay, this data is for information that we can help people understand. But um, yeah, man, it really just comes down to, you have to move. You know, and you have to be able to move the way that your body's capable of moving. And that's been, goodness, it's it's fun to watch a professional do it because you learn so fast. Yeah. So, oh, no. Oh, now he isn't on. Okay, good. Hold on. You could hear me the whole time, though, Vance? Okay. Dang it. Yeah, we can't hear you. Now we can't hear you. We traded... Oh, dang. Oh, that one wasn't the same? Which one? Oh, never mind. No, it's it's all. I don't know why it's not. That's weird. You want to just kill it and do it one more time? Yeah, yeah. All right. We're going to kill it. We're just going to start it up, and then we'll wrap it up. Sorry, Vans. Yeah. So, um, very interesting point, by the way, um, of what you were just talking about with, um, the time frame. that was, that was a, a good point right there as far as like 13 to 15. And then like now we're in 20 basically. Well, it's like when I went to, I mean, this is kind of the realization that I made, uh, thinking about my relationship with Weston because in 2015, um, that was the coaches convention in Nashville and, or it would have been the beginning of 2016. Um, that was the last convention in Nashville and that's kind of their coming out party, I believe. And it was funny seeing that happen as I'm watching the kind of the internet develop itself, right. As, as Twitter's happening, um, as, as that's all happening. So, you know, it, it's hard to, 
don't know. It just, you just feel for the players. It's the same thing as like when I, you know, working with Tom Nevers back in Minnesota, played 13 years of minor league ball and knowing the kind of instruction that he had as a, a first rounder um, who um, wasn't having success early on and the amount of just word salad that that dude got and the amount of bad information that he got um, people were just trying you know so anyway the moral of the story is we just we just feel for the player and um, as we get better and better at this you know the, the talent starts getting closer and closer and it's like you know they're, they're telling us you know Vance has told us a lot about him right and he shared his story um, you know, freely. And it's like, I already knew your story, you know, it's, and I haven't, right. I don't know the details. I don't know the specifics. Um, he's got the link by the way. Yeah. But it's just, you know, gosh, there's no reason of saying like, I told you so, or we saw this coming that doesn't, there's no purpose to that, but that's, that's kind of what I'm saying is, you know, the people that have been really trying to push player development, um, it's you're starting to see major league baseball finally catching up and it's good. It's, it's ultimately, it's good. It's, it's about time. So, and there, and you know, what's interesting about what he's saying and what you're saying too, and like, you know, this up in the zone thing, this trend of this that's happened, I, you know, when would you say that started? Well, I mean, Freeman though, like uh, what Marvin Freeman, I mean, he, he shows clips of him almost hitting guys in the face. Well, to, like that's, that was going to be my point. It's right. Like, it's why, like, this, why is this, this isn't a trend. This, this has always been. A thing, yes. It's know? the same thing about launch angle. This is, this is like people, we now have um, some ways that we can quantify in a way that's agreeable. So five, 10 years down the road, it might be more likely that the hitting world and the throwing world have come to an agreement on some of the ways that we talk about it. And, you know, as much as it's not appropriate to talk about internal and external rotation on the field with players, um, it's helpful for us as coaches to be able to have that same dialogue, you know? And so I'm not saying that it's going to, we're going to now have to, you know, have, I mean, maybe, I don't know. And this is the thing is like coaching is becoming such a, a big thing and it's, it's not really represented in universities, right? You're not like the qualifications and the standards in coaching. Um, where are they? You know, it's been driven by the authorities in baseball. It hasn't been driven by academia. Um, so the best coaches are, are bred out of, you know, the right kind of background. <laughs> That's really it, you know, because you can't just go and say, Hey, I want to become you know, a certified coach in this world that, that those things don't mean anything. When you get a, when you get a coaching degree from a university, you kidding me, Hmm. you know, so. Totally. (sighs) Weird. Well, I think we're going to have to uh, call it for Vance. Um, A little technical difficulty with his phone. Um, But well, obviously he's an awesome dude. We're super excited about his progress and his thing. He's super humble, and we I, we just enjoy having him, you know, at, at the gym and having, watching him do his thing. You know. Um, that being said, um, you got anything else? No, I, I think it's it's been. I, I will say this um, for those of you that are are watching closely on his journey and and the kids that are coming in. Uh, um, obviously this virus has been weird, so you can't get to see what Vance has been doing. Um, but when this is over and when you get a chance, I've never seen, I've seen a lot of professionals throw baseball. Um, but you know, despite some of the things that he's been working on to move better, I mean, this dude can throw like hit it. What do they say? Hit a flea off a fly. Like this dude is, his command is unbelievable. And, and the way that he's been able to throw the ball as competitively as he has been, 
Um, it's just, it's unbelievably impressive because he's, he's been fighting so many things, you know? Um, and, and now that he's working hard to get his body to move better, um, you know, for the record, there's zero part of me. And I don't think there's zero fear in Vance's mind that he's going to lose his command. That doesn't go away. This is something that when you develop command, it's something that your body, this is a, your brain has to learn command. You, that's why the repetition, the frequency is so high. You know, so when you hear Vance, what did Vance get really good at? He got good at all of the things that the coaches told him to get the ball down in the zone, command the ball, make it move, miss bats. It's like this dude can spin it every which way. I saw him take, so he basically throws um, like hit his slider that's just like a, a sharp right like that. And then he throws a curveball, which is, is actually the same exact thing. But when he throws it a little bit more up, it changes the access and it turns into a straight bullet curveball and it goes straight down. And it's like, man, there's no way I could have got a Rhapsodo on him or a pitch logic ball or anything and tell him to do that. He had to solve that problem authentically on his own. And those are some of the things that you see is the best in the game, right? The best at all levels that they are solving problems, right? The football players go out on the field and they play a game and solve problems. When John is facing hitters, he's reading them to solve a problem. The problem is, is that this guy's swing is covering a ton of stuff right now. And I don't know what it is. Or the problem is, is this guy's swing is so bad. I need to make sure that I don't give him anything, right? This is problem solving. This is what is the task? Now I'm going to do it. Um, so yeah. And now that we're giving, now we're creating some context with him and helping him understand his movement. It's it's just going, it's only going to be fun to see what he's going to be capable of. So real fun to watch him make the ball dance. It, it's not, it's not, I mean, sitting on a bucket throwing 98, like you don't, it's unreal. It's unexplainable. So, Appreciate all right, that's all I got. Appreciate it guys. Don't forget rate, review, subscribe, um, subscribe. You know, you can see the podcast. Mr. Warley 46, yeah. by the way, Mr. Man. Warley 46 yeah. on Instagram, Vanimal on Twitter. Yep. Yep. So, um, you know us. Appreciate it. Coming this is awesome. We're out. Tomorrow is Jason Yuli. That's going to be exciting, too.